بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين أما بعد In tonight's recitation of Salatul Taraweeh, we had the recitation of Surah Al-Rahman, the famous surah in which the verses were often repeated, and Surah Al-Waqi'ah, also a very well-known surah. In Surah Al-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ar-Rahmanu allam al-Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces himself with the, the attribute of Rahman. Rahman is that being whose mercy is all-encompassing. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ The rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encompasses all His creation, whether they be believers or non-believers. In this dunya and in the akhirah, the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exclusive for the believers in Jannah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after informing us that He is Ar-Rahman, He says, عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught the Qur'an and that is obviously via Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How are we to learn the Qur'an? That is the question that needs to be asked. Is the Qur'an a book that can be picked up, the translation of which just be read, and a person comes to the conclusion that he understands what the message is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Yusuf, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ There are two conditions when learning the Qur'an from a teacher firstly. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if Allah wanted, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have sent the book directly to him, the revelation directly to him. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam to convey the message to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As a lesson to us, if you want to learn the Qur'an, you need to learn it from someone. You need to learn the Qur'an from a teacher. So the first thing is to learn the Qur'an from someone. The second is we need to know the Arabic of the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That English translation is a translation, it's not the Qur'an. The Qur'an is that which is in Arabic. This is something very important to remember. That which you have in English is a translation and it's not the actual Qur'an. The Qur'an is, as Allah says, أَنزَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا So those of us living now in 2022, our standard of language is also dropped, whether it be our own language, let alone the Arabic language. The people speaking Arabic nowadays, if you have to speak classical Qur'anic Arabic and Hadith Arabic to the average person, even in an Arab country, many times would have difficulty understanding what you are saying. A student from one of the Arab countries once told me, he said uh, that uh, they needed to go from the university to Masjid al-Nabawi. So he stopped the taxi, the taxi, and then he said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. He made salam and the chap replied. He said, in the, he, now he's studying and the teachers, he's studying the classical Arabic. So he says to the driver, Uridu an adhaba ila masjid rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I would like to go to the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this chap looks at him. He says, Sadaqallahu al-Azim, fain raihanta. He thought that he's reading a verse of the Qur'an. So he said, okay, Allah has spoken the truth. Tell me where you want to go. So the, the classical Arabic is something you need to learn. It's something that is learned. Like, like in English you have classical works 
which are difficult to understand by the commonly used vocab and the language which is used by people. But even more so, the Quran Karim, which comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is in Arabic. That's the second thing which we require. So first as a teacher, then we require to understand the Arabic language. And the third is, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ That you need common sense, you need brains. Everything in the Quran is not just simplistic and straightforward. Certain things need and require explanation. And this is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the Sahaba also. When the verse was revealed, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ Those people who bring iman, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ And they do not corrupt their iman with ظُلْم, oppression. أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ For them will be sanctity and, uh, safety and security. وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ And they will be guided. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were very worried. They said, which one of us hasn't wronged himself, hasn't done some type of oppression, whether it be to yourself, whether it be with regards to your interaction and your dealings with people, who hasn't done the type of zulm? And then Rasulullah sallallahu explained, no, the zulm is referring to shirk, attributing and ascribing partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you just take an external, official meaning, and you do not hear what Rasulullah sallallahu had to say, many times the message of the Qur'an also could be obscured and blurred. Then the other important thing to know that the verses of the Qur'an, there are some verses which relate to the events of the past that any person can read the translation of and take benefit from what happened to the nation of Sayyidina Salih alayhi salam, Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, Yunus alayhi salam, all these events mentioned in the Qur'an, Allah has revealed them so that they strengthen the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu and also the hearts of the believers. So that anybody can, can read. Then you have um, certain verses which are related to ahkam, ahkam and masail, in other words, halal and haram. Some of them are straightforward, but some require the jurisprudic explanations of the fuqaha and the jurist. And this is why we depend on the explanation of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. They were interacting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they understood the meaning and the application of the hadith. This is another thing, taking a translation of the hadith and thinking a person is equipped to practice is not uh, a wise idea. Once, uh, in a particular ruling in Hajj, in the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, so it was... Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Uh, he had a difference of opinion with Urwa, with, uh, Urwa ibn Zubair. And Urwa ibn Zubair was uh, the, the son of Sayyidina Zubair radiallahu anhu, who was a tabi'i but born in the time of the Sahaba. So Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said to him, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said such and such, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Urwa replied, فَعَلَى أَبُو بَكَرْ كَذَا وَكَذَا He gave in response his proof that the explanation given by Abu Bakr Siddiq was like this, was such and such, which seemed to be that the Sahabi is saying, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and here the senior uh, Urwa ibn Zubayr is a scholar, he's not uh, a normal person, but he is giving as his proof the saying and the practice of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. So the Sahabi says to him, I'm telling you, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and you're saying, Fa'ala Abu Bakr. And he said, Wa Fa'ala Umar kad. And he says, now the Tabi'i says, Urwa, he says that Sayyidina Umar also did what Abu Bakr did. And the view is different to yours. 
So he said, I'm saying that Rasulullah said this, and you're saying Abu Bakr and Umar? So Urwa gave the most beautiful answer. He said, Inna Aba Bakr wa Umar kana afqaha bi kalami Rasulillahi minka. Abu Bakr and Umar understood the meaning of the words of Rasulullah better than you. They also knew this hadith that you're presenting as a proof, but the explanation of this hadith we'll take from them. So this, these types of verses in the Qur'an, where there are ahkam, where it is halal and haram, and unfortunately now, respected brothers, we've got such a problem, and that is, somebody will come ask an alim a mas'ala. He'll explain that this is what Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah has explained, Imam Shafi explained, whatever madhab is being followed, this is what Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah for example has explained. Now this person feels, okay, let me go and ask my neighbor. And what's the neighbor, what does he do? He's a mechanic. So the mechanic says, no, I saw on YouTube that uh, one sheikh said that it comes in a hadith like this. And Abu Hanifa's view is uh, not acceptable. Who said that? The mechanic who got his view from YouTube. Now in the time of the tabi'een and the sahaba, when somebody used to give a ruling of deen, Imam Ahmad bin Hamal rahimahullah says, when somebody talks of deen, we'll tell him, sammu lana rijalakum. Tell us who's the men of your chain of transmission, what's your sanad, what's the link between you and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if you ask a scholar of deen who studied under the classical and traditional method of learning from a teacher sitting on your knees in front of an ustad, he will tell you, I learned from my teacher, who learned from his teacher, whose names are documented up to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this brother will say, I took it from a mechanic who took it from YouTube, Damat Barakatuhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us this way. We've, we've reduced our deen to such simplistic and, and foolish methodology when we have a pure classical uh, system of jurisprudence which has been preserved over centuries. And we want to disregard that because of a two-minute clip we see on, uh, on YouTube. May Allah guide us. So this, these types of verses, one is the verses which everybody can read pertaining to the events of the past. And also, what will happen on the day of Qiyamah, Jannah, Jahannam, all those things are easily understood. But the verses pertaining to ahkam and the matters of jurisprudence which require explanation, that we have to go to the specialists of that field. Then we also have verses pertaining to creed and aqidah, belief. Allah subhanahu, I don't want to become too technical and, and to make you tired. Everybody's tired already. I don't want to make your brains even more tired. But it's important for us to discuss these matters. And that is... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there are two types of verses in the Qur'an. The first type of verse in the Qur'an is known as muhkam. Muhkam means explicitly clear. This is the foundational verses of the Qur'an. Um in Arabic means mother. And the actual meaning is asl, foundation from the word usul. The foundation of the kitab of Allah, of the Qur'an, is the muhkamat, explicit verses. So for example, Surah Al-Ikhlas tells us clearly about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qul Allahu ahad, Allah is ahad, He doesn't comprise of components, He is totally independent, everybody needs Him, everything needs Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not beget, nor was He begotten, He's not a form which came out of something, nor did anything come from Him, and He doesn't resemble His creation. So that is explicitly clear, there's no ambiguity. And there are some verses, وَأُخَرُوا مُتَشَابِهَتْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says some verses are mutashabihat. What is mutashabihat? غَيْرْ وَاضِحَةُ الْمَعْنَى The meaning in the Arabic language is ambiguity. So sometimes we'll find words in the Qur'an which in the Arabic language have multiple meanings. And amongst those meanings there could be a physical connotation amongst those meanings. For example, the word yad, 
Yadin in Arabic has got multiple meanings. One is hand, physical hand. But it can have many other meanings as well. So when certain words like that which have ambiguity in their meaning are attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all we say is that we believe in, the, in these words that Allah has revealed, but there is no form attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Imam al-Shafi'i says, نُؤْمِنُ بِهِ عَلَى مُرَادِ اللَّهِ بِلَا كَيْفِ We bring iman in these verses where there seems, especially a person who doesn't know Arabic, a person who knows Arabic will understand that there are multiple meanings to this word and only the most suitable word can be used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this reminds me of something where you get people objecting also. They say, you people, you, you say Molana for your, for your imam, you know, and you say Molana for your, for your, your teacher. And the word Mawlana is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the Quran, in the end of Surah Baqarah, we say, Anta Mawlana fansurna ala al kafirin. So how can you call your teacher Mawlana? When somebody makes an objection that he expresses and exposes his, his ignorance with regards to the Arabic language. Because the, the word Mawla in Arabic has got 15 meanings. When I said a word which has sometimes ambiguity, multiple meanings, the word Mawla has 15 meanings. One meaning is cousin. One meaning is the person who frees the slave. One meaning is the slave that was freed. One meaning is a relative. So, does it mean Allah is a relative? Na'udhu billah. Anta Mawlana. One meaning is Rabb, the sustainer and the creator. One of the meanings of Mawla is a sustainer and creator. But when it's used with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la'allakum ta'akilun. Allah revealed the Quran in Arabic and He revealed it so that you apply your, your mind. Use your brains. So the word Mawla, when it's used with Allah's name, it means Rabb. It means sustainer and creator. But when it's used for anyone else, then according to the meaning that it is that is required there, in, in fact in Surah Al-Tahreem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ مَوْلَاهُ With regards to Rasulullah sallallahu Allah is the Mawla for Rasulullah. وَجِبْرِيل And Jibreel is the Mawla of Rasulullah. وَصَالِحُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And the pious believers are the Mawla of Rasulullah. So does it all mean that they all are the Rabb of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the word Mawla now with Allah refers to Rabb for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jibreel alayhi salam in the meaning of helper and supporter because he's always with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to guide at the time of revelation. And the mu'mineen are supporters of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the word Mawla has got multiple meanings. If we understand the application of the word, then we can understand what is intended. But we just object. No, 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 this is shirk. How can you call your teacher Mawlana? So one of the meanings of Mawla is a person who does a favor unto you, a muhsin, a person who is an assistant, a helper. And these are all meanings which are allowed. And besides the fact that Mawla is not one of the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not from the Asma'ul Husna. And even from the Asma'ul Husna, there are names which are not exclusively for Allah. Al-Rashid, for example, is one of the Asma'ul Husna. But we give them. Yes, names like Rahman, Allah, these are exclusively for Allah. So you can't call somebody Rahman. It's impermissible to call somebody Rahman because Rahman is exclusively the attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose Rahma encompasses and envelops the entire creation. So respected brothers, these are some of the types of verses in the Quran. When we uh, study the Quran and our intention is that from the month of Ramadan now that we've developed some type of attachment with the quran Kareem, reciting the Quran, perhaps checking the tafsir, reliable and authentic tafsirs, uh, a person might have the enthusiasm to want to excel and to, to continue this type of study, but it's important that we do not study without a teacher. If you study without a teacher, there's a lot of dangers in that particular direction. I'll give you an example. 
as a Mufti Mahmoud Sahib, Rahimahullah, one of our great ulama, he used to always give it. And I was a young student the first time I heard it from him. He said that there was one student uh, who was reading a book of hadith on his own without the teacher. So when he was one day in class, he put his hand up, he said, Ustad, I found a hadith. Now in a hadith, you have the, the text of the hadith, the companion of Rasulullah sallallahu trans, who transmits it from Rasulullah sallallahu And sometimes they mention, okay, it's from Jibreel alayhi salam. Nabi sallallahu is quoting from Jibreel, and Jibreel is quoting from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example. So this particular hadith, he says, I found a hadith which nobody has ever seen before. So the teacher says, what are you talking about? He said, no, this hadith is transmitted from an Rasulillah, عن جبريل عن الله عن رجلين which means that this is transmitted from Rasulullah from Allah from Jibreel alayhi salam who transmits from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then عن رجلين from a man Allah is transmitting from a man نعوذ بالله so the teacher said bring the book here so when he brought the book the teacher gave him five what that he deserved and he said, that's a printing error. That word is actually Azza wa Jal. Anillah, Azza wa Jal. It's not An Rajulin. So the word Azza in Arabic, it's Ain and Za. Now the Za was, the dot of the Za was shifted to the middle. It looked like An. So instead of Az, it looked like An. And the Wajal, the head of the Wow, which was supposed to be round, was a bit straight and it looked like Rajul, the word man. So because... He thought he was self-sufficient. He looked at one word and he thought he found a hadith which was most unique that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is quoting from, from a man. There was one Molisa. He was uh, making his imamat and uh, while he was leading the salah, he would be shaking in front, shaking. So this is, those who understand Urdu, I'll say the part in Urdu and translate for the rest of the brothers. So somebody asked him, he said, Imam Sahib, what are you doing, Imam Sahib? He said, this is Bukhari Sharif. He said, I found this hadith in Bukhari Sharif. He says, what's the hadith? He says, when you become a person of a imam, you have to read the When you become the imam of a, of a congregation, then you should shake and lead the congregation. So the Arabic text of the hadith is That person who leads a congregation He should perform a light salah He should make his salah easy Because there are people who are in need Sickly people Some people might have to, might have to leave the congregation So make the salah easy for them So nobody is under duress and under stress So in, in Urdu If you say it, you're supposed to say Jo kisi ka imam bane To chahiye ki halki namaz Halki Takhfif means like a light salah. He changed the word to hilke. Hilke means that you must shake. So another person, I'm from the carry on with all these stories. So another person, he reads the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Man istajmara fal yutir. Man istajmara fal yutir. So istajmar in, in the terminology of fiqh is to use in the old days they wouldn't use, have tissue they would use clay stones like stones for istinja so he, so he thought okay man istajmara fal yutir so after I make istinja with the stones I must make witr salah so every time he come out of the toilet he's making a witr not after isha 
whether it be before Zohar, after Zohar, after Asr, every time he uses the toilet, now he's making witr. He say, where it comes in Bukhari Sharif? It comes in Bukhari. Whereas the meaning of the hadith is, man istajmara falyutir, that person who makes istinja with the stone, he should use an odd number of stones. Because witr is an odd number. So yeah, the word witr is not salatul witr. It's the odd number which needs to be kept in mind, which is preferable to use, which is the sunnah, until the, the body is thoroughly cleaned. So that is the meaning of the hadith. But without a teacher, and a person, yeah, he'll start making witr every time he comes out of the toilet. So respected brothers, the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ar-Rahman allam al-Qur'an. He's taught the Qur'an. But there's a methodology of how the Qur'an is taught. It's not just a simple textbook that you can pick up and try to think to navigate your way through life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given tawfiq to millions of scholars who dedicated their time and their lives to explain to us the actual meaning of the Qur'an in the way of Rasulullah sallallahu ahadith and the jurisprudence of the four imams. And it is our duty to appreciate that and at least have some dignity and respect and humility to acknowledge that this is sacrifices and the legacy of people who are greater than us. And Allah has given us the tawfiq to depend on the, on the shoulders of giants. We, are, we place our hands on the, on the shoulders of giants. Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi'i, Ahmad, these are, these are giants. So when we depend on something, they say, it's not just an individual who just studied two years in an institute who can speak a bit of Arabic. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a true understanding and give us tawfiq to practice on deen in the way that is pleasing to him and in a way which will not result in us being humiliated before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa on the day of Qiyamah. Inshallah, we'll just conclude with reciting what we normally do at the end of our gathering as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam encourages us to recite the shahada, istighfar, ask for Jannah and protection from Jahannam. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah, nastaghfirullah, nas'aluka al-jannata wa na'udhu bika min an-nar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله نستغفر الله نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله نستغفر الله نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين